Welcome to Behind the Standards with United Rentals. This is the podcast where we discuss construction safety, typically trench excavation and combined space safety, but also other topics that deal with general job site safety as well. I am Rick Plosinski, Customer Training Specialist, and with me is Michael Barr. Michael, thank you for joining me again. Yeah, absolutely, Rick. It's great to be back. So our conversation will hopefully be informative and educational so that we can help you avoid injuries and fatalities while on the job site. Now, today, Michael and I are going to take a deeper dive into this document called tabulated data that details how trench safety equipment must be used on a job site. Now, a study conducted back in 2019 determined that over 40% of the individuals who responded have difficulty with the installation and use of trench safety protective systems. So we're going to break this document down because understanding how to use trench safety equipment starts with tabulated data. So, Michael, what is tabulated data? Yeah, that's a pretty loaded question, Rick, but as far as simplifying tab data, uh, it's a document that's provided by the manufacturer of any specific type of shoring equipment. And so that could vary from a trench box to a vertical shore uh, to a slide rail system. And so the manufacturers are charged with providing that to the end users, and it, it incorporates several different aspects. And so those are not only the actual physical notes that they're going to have to be overviewed by the end user with regards to the competent person and what they're charged with doing as well as knowing with re- whether it relates to the equipment itself or the details that are explained in the tab data. And so once you get beyond that, they typically will provide general notes. The biggest one is that they are obviously prepared by a registered, registered professional engineer and that they are required by the OSHA standard. And so uh, I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later as far as, you know, what supersedes in an excavation, whether it's the OSHA standard or tab data. But uh, tab data references the OSHA standard and then gets more specific. And so when we look at that, this tab data is going to be kind of the the lay of the law when you're installing this excavating shored system uh, in the ground. And so We look at that as well and what they'll provide, not only as system specifications for the equipment itself related to the depth ratings or how it can be used or the physical constraints of how it's installed, uh, but it also references soil classifications, which is going to be an even bigger part of understanding tab data because the type of soils that we're in, as well as the types of surcharges that we would see on a job site in and around the excavation are going to dictate the limitations that you'll be able to utilize the equipment within. The OSHA standard states that the definition of tabulated data are the tables and charts required to create and construct a protective system, but there is a lot more to it than tables and charts. There, there really is. Uh, you know, they, they give system specifications in all tab data, and those are going to give you um, uh, essentially a guideline of how you can use particular pieces of equipment or, once again, how you cannot use those. And one of the biggest notes that you'll see in just about all tab data is that surcharge loads are not included in the depth ratings of the particular piece of equipment. And what that's going to mean is is that if we go beyond the OSHA standard 72 PSF surcharge, then the, the depth ratings and the, the actual stamp of the tabulated data does not really apply anymore. And so, we can imagine a, a 10-foot deep excavation that's eight foot off the, the side of an active road. 
right? When we're within that one-to-one of the depth of excavation and we have surcharges present that go above and beyond the standard surcharge allowable, these depth ratings become skewed because they're not based on the true applied loading that we would see uh, on an excavation as it pertains to how the tab data is prepared. And once again, that tab data is also prepared based off of, of soils. And so when we look at that, we know that the OSHA standard has the A, B, and C soil. And then we can more specifically draw out that C is really classified between two categories, and that's the C60 and the C80 um, soil loading. And we notice that when we get to C80, we have a lot more limitations on, on what we can do with equipment. And generally, you'll see things like we have to maintain full depth of excavation with our shoring in C80 as opposed to C60 and better, where we sometimes get that two-foot cushion off the base of excavation. And the reason for that is, is in reality, the difference between C60 and a C80 soil is that you've got water present, right? We've got water that's accumulated in the ground and it's probably going to be running into the excavation, which is going to make the soils really hard to dictate how they're going to react or if you're going to be able to control them with the shoring system and we're not even factoring in a dewatering system at this point. That's just the pure nature of the soil itself. And when you're talking about C60 and C80, you're really talking about the cohesiveness of the particular soil. So you're talking about cohesive type of soils, C60, C80. But there's also some granular materials, too, in the end, that could also require you to classify your soils as a C. Yeah, correct. And so when we look at soils in general, you, you, you can kind of break it up into two, into two buckets, really. You've got cohesive soils, which are going to be your clays and your silts. And then you've got your granular soils, which are going to be your, your rock and your sandy material. And so in a C60 soil, you could have a cohesive or a granular type of soil. It's all going to depend on the, the way that the soil is, is behaving um, or the presence of water, et cetera. So We've even seen that you can have a C80 soil that's a granular soil, and you can imagine a, a very, very wet um, mud and silt that may be a cohesive-style clay, um, but there, there's, just no, there's just no strength of the material at that point, and so it's not going to respond well to being excavated, which is going to dictate that we have to utilize that C80 functioning of tab data when we're looking at our depth ratings and what our limitations are going to be for the system. The soil conditions will kind of help determine what type of surcharge loads they can actually take. What do you mean by surcharge loads? Can you get a little bit more specific? Yeah, absolutely. So when we look at the OSHA standard, it says we get a 72 PSF surcharge, which in reality is going to be the spoil pile. And so we've seen different tab data that say that that spoil pile is two or three foot away from the edge of excavation, but it's essentially the dirt that you're removing from the excavation. Now, If we look on any job site anywhere in the world, we've got excavators, we've got concrete trucks, we've got cranes, we've got all these different things. But when we start to put heavy equipment adjacent to an excavation, it's got weight. And so it's applying a load to the soil. So when we look at structures, maybe roads, railroads, um, especially active railroads, bodies of water, all of these things have weight and they are going to create a surcharge, which essentially is additional loading to the system. And so all those surcharges are typically on the ground surface, right? If we have big cranes with outriggers, um, an active road, concrete trucks, et cetera, they're on the ground surface. And so we have to take those loads and apply them to the actual vertical wall faces of our excavation. And so when we do that, 
we create additional load outside of the applied load from the soil. And so we have to add those two together to get our total applied load. Now, when we look at tab data, it explicitly states that surcharge loads are not included in the depth ratings for specific components that are related to that tab data. So those surcharge loads that can be from heavy equipment, vibrations, spoil piles, et cetera, um, those are defined as within a distance equal to the depth of the excavation. And so we can have surcharges that may not impact our excavation. So if we're going eight foot deep and we've got a, a structure that's 25 feet away, we may not have to incorporate that into our loading because it's outside of that one-to-one -one of our depth of excavation. So those are kind of the finer points of, of tab data that you really need to ensure that as an end user, especially the competent person in charge of that excavation, that you understand what is inclusive of tab data and then what falls outside of tab data, and we may have to go a different route to ensure that we are being compliant with that excavation. Are there some real-life examples that a competent person can use to kind of determine how far back those materials or equipment need to be? Yeah, so it, that can be slightly subjective, Rick. But um, in, in reality, if you if you want to ensure that you're you're doing the best at following the the tab data to a T, uh, just look at the one to one as far as your excavation depth related to those surcharges. So, if we're going ten foot depth, we want to try to maintain everything at least ten foot outside of the radius all the way around of the shoring system. And so, that's a good rule of thumb to follow to ensure that. You're doing everything to the best of your ability, but you know if we're trying to quantitatively apply a, a specific load to uh, vehicle surcharges or, or trains, now we have formulas to do that, uh, but typically that's going to be something that's going to be far outside of tab data and not really applicable at that point. And so when we're talking about tabulated data and we're comparing them to the OSHA standards, does one take precedence over the other? Do they feed off of each other? How do they correlate? Yeah, so, you know, TAB data bases their, their depth ratings for their equipment off of the OSHA soil classifications in the, the A, B, and C soil. So tabulated data references the OSHA standard, but at the end of the day, this document, the TAB data that you're using for your equipment is stamped for that piece of equipment for that excavation. So in, in that light, that TAB data is going to be your, your go-to for ensuring that you're you're living up to the standards and the regulations that are set forth by OSHA. So when we look at TAB data work, OSHA gives guidances on on specific types, but not all types of shoring equipment. And so when you're when you're doing a slide rail system or installing vertical shores or some type of hydraulic um, small bracing system, the TAB data that you're using is is gonna be the, the bottom line for what you need to adhere to. Are there some site conditions that are gonna limit tabulated data yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the, the big one's going to be the surcharges, right, Rick? So, you know, if we've got a large structure or uh, an active railroad within a one-to-one -one or heavy traffic loading within that one-to-one, -one, we're going to need to know that we're dealing with loading that is beyond what TAB data is going to allow us to, to, to control um, with our soil loading. And so we need to reach out to an RPE or a registered professional engineer, one that is well-equipped in the world of shoring design, and not only get their opinion, but we might have to go as far to get a site-specific stamped plan for that excavation, which you know we can certainly talk about. There are there are a lot of things that can that can make site conditions to the point that 
they're limiting cab data. So we talked about surcharge loads, which includes everything I just mentioned, but all of our tab data as well gives you limitations on how you can actually configure the system. For instance, you know, when we look at slide rail, if we're going to do a, a tieback system where we're actually going to remove rolling struts, uh, that does not fall within tab data and has to be site specifically stamped by an RPE. Uh, if we're using sheet piling in unison with a slide rail system, for instance, maybe a bore pit, or we're dealing with a, a crossing utility in the excavation, that is not something that's covered under tab data. And so we can look and, and go through every type of equipment, whether it's you know vertical shores or boxes, but there are going to be certain circumstances um, where we're not going to be allowed to use tab data based off of what we're trying to accomplish. And, and I know probably the big one is road plate with trench boxes. That's really a big one. And if we think about it, you know, a trench box is a solid steel plate, right? And it's got a thickness and a, and a capacity and a depth rating. And when we get into an excavation and we open cut and we drop that trench box in, and now all of a sudden we want to go three or four foot deeper and we say, oh, we'll just stab road plate back behind it, right? That's the classic go-to. But what we don't realize is that that extra depth of excavation that we're shoring with a road plate is providing what we're calling tributary width. And so we're essentially extending the surface area of the shoring equipment itself, which is going to provide that much more loading. So you could imagine a you know a ten foot trench box, and we're going to go an extra two foot down. We're providing twenty foot of additional surface area that was not encapsulated with the depth rating on the tab data. So that's no different than than putting a very large machine right up against the edge of excavation. We're adding load without putting it at the ground surface. So. Um, those are kind of the, the big ones that come to mind um, when we think about variations from tab data and real-life application. I like to refer to that similarly as taking a big piece of 4 by 8 sheet of plywood and holding it up when you're on top of a roof. Basically, what you're doing is, is you are increasing the surface area that is now catching wind that is going to blow you off of that roof. But we're talking about dirt, not wind. Yep, and dirt is going to hurt a whole lot worse than wind. When we do things like that, those are situations, though, where a customer, an end user, can reach out to a professional engineer, and we can do variation letters for things like that. And what, and what that allows us to do is, as an engineer, we can analyze the soils, we can analyze the situation, you know, the, the goal that they're trying to accomplish and the, the physical constraints of the, the job site itself, and we can go in and essentially engineer it ourselves, because um, not only does tabulated data typically give us depth ratings, but they also give us the capacity of a particular piece of equipment. And so what that does is that gives us kind of that maximum allowable, whether that's a load um, or, or a pressure rating for that particular piece of equipment. And so, um, you know, a professional engineer can engineer the soils and then engineer the situation and can provide relief through a, a letter stating that they understand what the customer's doing They've done the math and that it will check out and, in fact, work. This has been part one of a two-part episode of Behind the Standards, breaking down tabulated data for manufactured excavation protective systems. Join us next time when we explain what to do when site conditions limit the use of a system beyond what is allowed by the manufacturer. Should you have any questions about this topic or have suggestions on other topics, feel free to send us an email to your TS podcast at ur.com. On behalf of Michael and myself, thanks for tuning in. Have a great day and stay safe.